The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Why, hello, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrifehere.com. Joining me once again as my special co-host is author Royce Kristen. Hey, Royce. And your friend, Royce and Christen. my friend, <laughs> and my friend. How are you? I'm Royce happy is, to be here. Excellent. Royce is an actor, director, and the author of the book "Scripting the Life You Want: Manifest Your Dreams with Just Pen and Paper." So That's I have a long a, title. It is a long title. <laughs> I have a question for you. Uh, well, actually, yeah. not a question, but a comment. You are very bird heavy today because earlier today, <laughs> earlier you had a bunch of parakeets like making a lot of noise in the background yeah which i thought was interesting and you're wearing a bird shirt today i it's a woodstock shirt actually my right. aunt went to the the whatever anniversary they just had i feel really bad i don't remember but she got me this cool shirt from woodstock which has a bird on it um yeah my my mom actually has two african and gray parrots that are rescues and that we actually live about two houses apart so there's this in, there's this backyard that we share but i have the patio i have the big giant like uh sidewalk patio where the birds can be washed in their cages so they get rolled over i was telling jim uh before he came on air that i didn't even know they were there because i'll just show up my office it leads out to that back area and i just show up sometimes and i have birds i'm babysitting whether i ask to babysit them or not <laughs> but i love birds I, I love them and i like that my mom, um, I'm glad she stopped at two rescues, though, because I was getting nervous when I was younger. They're 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 older now, but yeah. there was a point I thought that we were going to be the bird people. But oh my I goodness, think, I sound. It sounds like from what you said, though, that maybe we are. Well, is there any significance to the birds in your life in in terms of like spiritual significance? Oh come on, yeah, something out of that, can't you? Yes. Well, it's funny <laughs> because. Yes, a hundred percent. I don't. Even, I didn't even realize it till I was doing the press tour for this book, scripting the life you want. I oddly was on the show um, with the host who was fantastic, and I was telling her how I. And this is true. I kept seeing owls everywhere, um, which isn't super rare in California, especially the part of LA County where I live. But I was hearing them and seeing them, and it was just constant. And um, this this, this uh, person gave me this incredible uh, insight into how birds are messengers and they give us signs. And I had, of course, I've thought about it before, but the, the, the meaning for an owl was very significant to me, especially with the book coming out with everything happening. And um, now I'm, I'm paying attention a lot more to birds. 
but you notice them. So they're obviously, are they significant for you? They're significant in that they're pretty and I like them. Um, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> but other, that's how I other, was up other than that, you know, I I love I love birds. I don't have them. I I have a cat that would probably like to have some birds, but I don't think it's I, for the same purpose. I am also a cat guy, so I I think that might be part of my you know the birds are around and obviously my mom has them and I just I'm 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 very much enamored by my cat who I'm sure would love to have a bird like you just said, but <laughs> so far knock on wood. No, no, no bird, no, no special no bird treats. issues. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No are, you, are you ready to jump into our inspiration, dueling inspirational quotes today? Dueling, dueling quotes. Yes. quotes. Yes, yes, yes. Shall I, or do you want to go first? I, I think you should, because mine are always so much shorter. <laughs> I do have long quotes these days. Here's, here's no, but mine. that's a positive thing. I like that. <laughs> here's mine. It's, it's from Love to the World. My love goes out to everyone in the world. I do not exclude anything for I love all nature and everything that is. My love warms and lightens everything that it touches and it goes out into all places. The love flowing, the love flowing through me is a power to all who come into contact with it and all feel and know that I love. Love within me is complete and perfect. Love within me is complete. You can't see me, but I'm actually smiling. Jim can see me. That's a great. That's that's great. Mine pales in comparison. Oh please, oh please. <laughs> well, you know, okay. I I may win the duel, but that's from Ernest Holmes, and one of the reasons that I I picked Ernest Holmes today is because we have the Center for Spiritual Living's uh, spiritual leader on in our interview later today. And what what a better connection? And obviously, me picking Tina Fey, maybe well, is... who is also. <laughs> A very a spiritual comedian. She is, she's, I, uh, there's a whole story. There's an episode of 30 Rock uh, and it's all about the secret. And it still makes me laugh because the, the premise is essentially that uh, Tina Fey's character, Liz Lemon, gets a copy of it and from the other character, Jenna. And she had never opened it for five years. So she opens it. And then um, they both say, oh, this is stupid. And then the entire episode is basically about the law of attraction, you know, giving them absolutely <laughs> everything that they they uh, they were saying constantly. Oh my gosh, that's, that sounds anyway, so hilarious. A, okay, it's a really good one. I think it's season five, the very end of season five. Okay, um, this is from Tina Fey from her book Bossy Pants, which I highly recommend. All right, <clears throat> don't waste your energy trying to educate or change opinions. Go over, under, through, and opinions will change organically when you're the boss, or they won't. Who cares? Do your thing and don't care if they like it. Fey. I like it. I, I like it. Yeah, First, well, you know, it's all it's just you can't you can't change everybody's opinion, but you can not care and just keep going. And that's <laughs> anyway, you that's important, you know. It really is important. You've got to do sometimes what you gotta do. And uh it that's in your spiritual practice as well as in your work and your life. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's a lot of spirituality to be found in a lot of the, the public figures that oh, are in yeah. the entertainment business. Um, maybe that's just my, no, my no, I totally so get that. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, the first episode I ever did of, uh, this show, well, one of the first episodes, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I used to be able to play, uh, music in the shows and I, I used ACDC. Ah. Uh, ah. <laughs> it wasn't, how did highway, you get away with that? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't highway to hell. It was back in black, but I okay. figured, I, was, I figured, but I, I already assumed, but. <laughs> but I figured, you know, I thought I'd shake things up. So I like shaking things up. I do too. I think it's, I think it's what makes it, so it makes us interesting. It when is. When we host together. That's great. <laughs> All right, Royce, shall we jump into the episode? 
I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's go. Now here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi friends, it's Martha Creek, serving those who serve and intent on getting empowered teachings to the whole of the planet. Blessings to you in all the ways that you're serving. Today's topic is reason. Think about it in the terms of a level of consciousness. At a level of reason, you're more able, more capable of handling, dealing with, strategizing with larger, complex amounts of decisions, data, the complexities of life, the complexities, the mysteries of life. And instead of being blown over by it or the rug pulled out, we can use a power of reason to handle larger amounts of this rapid decision-making, and more confident in the decisions that we make are right for us or correct decisions. We also have a capacity through reasons to understand the mysteries, the nuances, and the intricacies of relationships, of personalities, of relational dynamics, emotional dynamics, uh, gradations, distinctions, and through this power of reason, we have an expert, an expert uh, a capacity for abstract concepts and abstract thinking and uh, visionary kind of thinking, which becomes increasingly important in the ways we function in life. It's also through the power of this capacity to reason and operating from this heightened capacity for reason that all the science, medicine, and that has increased. All the breakthroughs in this have come through the power of this level of functioning called reason. So an, an increased capability for to conceptualize and comprehend. So think about then what it would be like if you had a greater level, how would you be looking at it from reason, a broader, broader understanding of the, the, the conceptualization and the comprehension of just how complex things are, the systems, and allowing and accepting the complexities of that. Understanding also and receiving information um, easily, more easily tracked, more easily um, comprehended, and then you'll used as tools uh, so that we are less likely then to get confused, bewildered, blown over. We heighten our capacity to stay objective instead of subjected to things or subjective to situations or subjected to people or emotions. And at this level of reason, um, we're not as likely to lose sight of the forest for the trees, to become over-focused or obsessed or infatuated with um, details or concepts or theories or over-intellectualizing or whatever so that we miss the essential point 
of what we're looking at, thinking through, reading, or rationalizing about. And although reason is highly effective in technical worlds, it's also um, can be, if it's not used uh, to empower or used from a place of empower, reason paradoxically can be a major um, block in reaching a higher level of consciousness. So transcending um, the levels of that needing to know, must know, must do it right, can't do it wrong, afraid to do it wrong, will not serve our powers of reason versus transcending that older way, um, the fear way, so to speak, to that, to live from what would a reasonable approach be here? What would a reasonable person do here? What would be a sane, sensible response to this here? Whatever that it is, whatever's being presented, whatever's ar arising, whatever situation, circumstance that's in front of me, what would a sane, reasonable approach to this be? What would a sane, reasonable person do here? Think about this as you imagine the power within you and the power you hold within you to use reason and reasonability to benefit your life, to bring greater ease, reason, reasonability. Who would you be practicing reason and reasonability? MarthaCreek.com. Love and blessings to you. Get in touch with me if I can serve you in any way. Ed Biagioti joins us with a segment. Hey, everybody. My name is Edward Biagioti, and I am the co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed right here on Unity Online Radio. It's great to be on Big Universe. Today, I'm going to start with a little quote from Eric Butterworth. He says, your potential to harness the flow of the universe is the very law of your being. So that makes me wonder why sometimes I don't feel that way. Sometimes in the past, I've felt as though I'm limited or that I have, I've had no power. And the other day, I woke up from a series of dreams that, in which... Everything just felt bad. It involved my family members and involved my grandparents and involved all sorts of things. That, and when I woke up, I was still feeling that way. Thankfully, I sat down to meditate and to read some inspired material and to affirm some positive thoughts. And yet still, it seemed to be holding on. Those negative feelings were holding on. So then I realized that something was going on within my consciousness, which was for a long time, even long before I knew about this way of living, I had been empowering these thoughts, these negative limiting thoughts. I didn't even know it because I thought they were real. I didn't realize that I had a choice. So all that time, I, w I had become good at, at writing heavy limiting stories. I, I used to sing in a band and I used to sing those songs to people. You know, I, was, I had become like this heavy person. On this day, I did a lot of self-forgiveness for buying into the false belief that these stories have power over me. I forgive myself for judging my mother as if she was trying to hold me back. I forgive myself for buying into the false belief that I am not included in God's plans or that my divine inner nature is not perfect, whole, and complete. And as I did that, it slowly started to loosen up and I realized and I affirmed, I'll be laughing about all this soon, and I realized that that old definition of me as some heavy person does not have to stand any longer and I'm letting it go and I hope you'll let it go with me. Anyway, my name is Ed Biagioti, co-host of Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed on Unity Online Radio. It's so good to be with you on Big Universe. And now it's time for our interview. 
As spiritual leader for Centers for Spiritual Living, Reverend Dr. Edward Fuyun is the public face of Centers for Spiritual Living. He leads spiritual retreats worldwide and is a prolific author of many published books and articles. I love your book, summarizing the first four sections of um, Science of Mind, a really, really cool book. I like that a lot. Um, Edward received two honorary doctorate degrees from Centers for Spiritual Living. And in 2018, he was awarded the prestigious Ernest Holmes Award for exemplary demonstration of Dr. Holmes' teachings. He is passionate about education, is well known for sharing his curriculum and organizational resources with ministers nationwide. While, leaving a th while leading a thriving center in Santa Rosa, he served on the Spiritual Motivated Social Engagement Committee, Honorary Doctorate Committee, International Board of Trustees, and Asilomar Committee. And I'm sure there are like a hundred that you haven't even mentioned here. <laughs> well, Dr. Edward, welcome to Big Universe. It's so great to have you on here. Thank you so much for having me on the air. I'm very grateful to be here. Now, I have an important question to ask you right off the top, and that is, are you kind of like the Pope of New Thought now? Are you, uh, do you have a separate zip code and a limo and all that stuff? No, nothing like that at all. Uh, the title spiritual leader is, perhaps it's misleading, Bruce. It sounds like somebody is leading and somebody is following but that's not the case at Centers for Spiritual Living in my position. Um, I've, I would be the person who articulates what Centers for Spiritual Living is about and what we teach and what our vision is. Awesome. Did I hear it? You're in Santa Rosa, is that correct? I'm, I'm in Santa Rosa, correct, California. Of, I have a lot of friends up there. A friend of mine got married. You I mean, talk about a time for needing spiritual leadership uh, between the fires over the last few years and everything that's been going on between the pandemic and all of the things that are happening. I mean, what a, a need for spiritual leadership. I don't think there's been a bigger time in a long time. So what, what has that been like for you? I mean, you've, you've gone from one crisis to the next. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about this idea of spiritual leadership, because it relates to something that Science of Mind teaches. Science of Mind taught me that any person can become a revealer of truth who lives in personal contact with the divine. And that my intuition, just like yours, is the place where I intersect with the divine. And uh, I must consult that. And I also learned that my imagination and my vision is how I grow and change and address the problems of the world and that that's true for every person. And this shared access to the divine is what caused Centers for Spiritual Living to develop this organizational model that is represented in concentric circles. In other words, we have for a long time desired to move beyond the top-down hierarchical structure to the idea that we're in this together. We're guiding and evolving the organization together. We're guiding and evolving our families together. We're guiding and evolving society together. So an important function of my position is to listen and to integrate and, and then to represent what the teachings and the shared values of our organization is. And while doing that, to stay deeply rooted in my spiritual practice to keep my spiritual center when fires break out, when pandemics erupt, when racism becomes the conversation of importance in our time. And it's been wonderful having you in that position. I mean, you're, you know, like you said, CSL and, and much of new thought is about an internal process as well as um, the external that, you know, treat and move your feet. 
and um, that's much appreciated. What, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm curious, what, did, why did you choose to run for spiritual leader at CSL, and what was that like? Um, I've been part of Centers for Spiritual Living, I have to guess, at the number of years, I think it's over 30, and I've been through its many evolutionary changes, and all through it, I've been the beneficiary of this life-affirming teaching. And like many people, when I discovered New Thought, I would say I found my spiritual home. And it helped me to cope with, for example, personally with the pervasive social messages that told me my homosexuality was evil and a sin. And it helped me reconnect um, to the source of all, which I thought wasn't available to me. So I wanted to serve the movement that I had learned from and benefited from. And so saying yes to the position as spiritual leader is saying yes to bringing the good news to all who would want to hear it, that there is a power for good, a divine reality that we're immersed in it. And this is a time to access it and use it. Awesome. Now, how did you grow up? How did you first find the philosophy well, I was born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa, during the apartheid era. And so I was steeped in racism from the very beginning of my existence. And um, I remember as I started to become aware as a young person, feeling a dissonance in me with what was in my heart and what my social and religious upbringing held to be true. I grew up in a Catholic household. Mind you, it was more Catholic as a, a cultural identity than a practice, you know, so I had to take myself to mass and mass was segregated. And I continue to feel this dissonance. And I remember imagining that there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. So I started to explore spirituality early in my teens, I would visit any church or spiritual organization that I could that would take me to be true. And then finally, I found um, refuge in the one and only spiritual metaphysical occult bookstore in Johannesburg. And that's where I discovered New Thought literature. And with that started my lifelong inquiry into my conditioning, my hidden beliefs, my insecurities, and unlearning them and re-educating myself about them. And of course, the journey continues, uh, you know, because according to the way of things, the infinite universe, infinite more to know, more is being revealed to us right now. Well, that's certainly true. In these times, that's, that's definitely true. Um, you know, so I guess um, one of the things I'm also curious about is the idea that science of mind as a philosophy is always from what I understand in, in Ernest Holmes' uh, teachings, is supposed to be open at the top. What does that mean to you? What Can you explore that a little bit with me? Yes, well, it, it means that we acknowledge the infinite nature of mind and that in our human condition, we have this possibility of always knowing more, always understanding more, always expressing more. And then there is the human tendency to want to contract around certainty, you know, 
um, just write everything down in bullet points so I can put it on my wall and yes. stick to it. Yes. <laughs> but the, the nature of things is that it changes. Ernest Holmes changed. You know, he, he even acknowledged it in his own writing. When he first started teaching, he used the terminology, you've got to hold a thought. And later he acknowledged that that was not the way that thoughts move and that we are to approach it with a, a more flexible attitude of mind. So we have changed as a teaching in an organization. We are expanding and we, in consciousness, we are re-examining our models, our education system. We're introducing methodology that wasn't present when Ernest Holmes was teaching. And that is how it ought to be. I have a, I have a, oh, go ahead, Jim. No, go ahead, Royce. I just have a, you're just talking about as, as you, you evolve and, and upgrade, the, you know, all of those things. The phrase itself, new thought, is, is something of contention, which I'm sure you know. And, and, and there, there are people who are very divided uh, about its use. I'm curious to hear your personal explanation of what that phrase means to you and also where you stand on the side of, is it time to update that phrase and the usage of it? Well, as you know, as we um, develop as a movement, we've changed our own name to reflect a new understanding. When uh, Ernest Holmes was teaching, he first started as the Institute of Religious Science, then eventually it became the Church of Religious Science. And we noticed that this was um, creating a barrier to people coming into our teaching because over time, the words that were fashionable, uh, you know, they were hip during Ernest Holmes' time, science gave you uh, credibility and the thought of structure and learning. Well, today science and um, associated with the religion doesn't have the same feeling. Also, as a, a, a world-focused organization, uh, we noticed that the word church right. itself had problems. You know, if some of my Jewish families, the Children. I heard one of my kids talking on the phone to his friend. He was coming out of service and he said, I'm just leaving temple. And so in his social worldview, he was using the appropriate words for him. So we realized that at the center of all of our learning, now that's a good word, a center for spiritual living. And we evolved into that. So new thought is the same thing. It will, it will, will change on its own as it no longer serves its purpose as needed. Nobody can stop that from happening. Um, what I like about it, though, is that when I think of new thought, I'm thinking personally of a new thought for me, right. how, yeah. the, how the teaching of metaphysics was new in my consciousness and created a radical new understanding of my world. Of course, we joke about it saying that there isn't anything new in new thought, in that it is the wisdom of the ages, um, investigated, reorganized, and, and repackaged. So, you know, many of the concepts that we have are, come from a long time ago. Right. So I can understand why there might be dissonance around the word new thought. For me, it was a brand new thought. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll be right back with Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. So, you know, as we were saying before, 2020 has certainly been a banner year in a lot of ways. You know, we've had, in the past year, we've had fires, we've had the pandemic, we've had political strife and, and, and discussion to the nth degree. We've had, you know, racial discussions and protests that are important. Um, what kind of suggestions, what kind of advice might you give our listeners to get through these times and, and you know, are there tools that we can use that might help us as all this is happening? Yes. And I think uh, I'd like to start off by saying that there isn't a one size fits all for how to cope. Now, for example, my husband, Kevin, is an extrovert. Now, he's not going to be able to cope and keep his center unless he can dance to loud music to diffuse the energy. So I am an introvert. And that kind of noise first thing in the morning drives me insane. (laughs) I need to sit still and not talk. So we are learning to navigate our differences and make space for the different ways of coping. So my advice would be for each person to ask the presence within, what is it that I need to do during this time that will help me stay centered? And then to make all the coping mechanisms okay. Some people are going to need to veg out. Some people are going to need to be active. And the most important question to ask the presence within is, what do I need to be during this time? Because this is not a normal time. This is a time of amplified stress. And we humans, we don't do very well in confinement. We're social beings. And so, again, we're learning there isn't a one-size-fits-all for how to respond and how to manage all of our feelings and emotions. It is calling us to be compassionate and flexible and kind, not only with ourselves, but with others and with the world. And to acknowledge that we have different, we'll be in different places without coping skills. I think that's an excellent point. I have the same relationship with my fiance. I mean, we've been together for eight years. And it's it's interesting because we learned that we fill in each other's blanks is the way that we put it, you know, um, and where he's very extroverted, I am very introverted and vice versa. But I think that's a great analogy for how people cope with what's going on. Um, you know, him and I, just like you guys and so many other couples out there and people listening, you know, we've been forced to be in very isolated quarters and you can choose how you need to exert your energy or use your energy. Uh, and in your, and in many cases, people are learning how to do that with their families, you know, and spending a lot more time with their, their significant others. So this is a very interesting time because the timing of, you know, certain quarantines and lockdown restrictions being lifted. And then on top of that, you have a lot of racial injustice going on, a lot of people feeling very pent up from all sorts of years of things that have been going on on top of the actual physical uh, pent up in this. I don't know what the word there yeah. is, but, you know, that, that we've just experienced. Um, spiritually, I feel, you know, as, as a writer and, and someone who has clients, I find a lot of people coming to me just saying, where's the center? And I love 
what you say about, you know, everybody has to leave themselves, but there is a large group of people who I think are feeling very chaotic yeah. in their thoughts and it's hard for them to lead themselves. So for those people, I'd love to hear what you would say to them, the ones who know they, they have it in them and they've done it before to lead themselves, but maybe right now are feeling very confused and overwhelmed with their own thoughts and a little bit too all over the place to actually get there. What could they do? Well, this is the time. This wouldn't be the time to abandon the strategies that a person has used in the past to get to their center. Like, for example, an extroverted person like my husband, he doesn't know what he thinks until he has talked it out. He has spoken it out. So he needs dialogue and he needs it to be live and he needs it to be fast. I don't know what I think until I have sat down and gone through it from every single angle. And so what we have is, he'd be saying, why don't you say something? And I would be saying, why don't you be still? You know. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. that's going on in the world. Now for those people who really need to um, get to terms with what do they think, for example, about the racism in our world right now. Uh, for me, journaling is a lifesaver because it brings my thoughts out from this nebulous world through the vehicle of my hand and the pen, and there it is in concrete on the page. Now I can look at it. That may not work for everyone, but it certainly is a tool that works for me. Many people I've spoken to have said, I, I can't process any more information. They've had an overload, whether they're introverts or extroverts, and they, don't, they feel guilty for not being able to get to a center. And they are finding that going out into nature the blue of the sky and the green of nature and the sounds of our world, it's like a ministry to their souls so that they can reconnect and then come back with clarity. So there is spend time in nature, there's journaling, and then there's talking to people that you can process with. Very important to me is getting the assistance of a, spirit, a practitioner a therapist, a coach, to be able to let it out in an environment where it is safe for you to make errors in your thinking process. So that's important too. What's the role of a practitioner? I mean, a lot of us know what it is, but some people don't know. What's the role of a practitioner in, in the spiritual Center for Spiritual Living? Thank you. Think of a, a, a licensed practitioner as very similar to a coach, a spiritual coach. They are trained for two years, actually, it's much longer than two years, to be able to first investigate their own lives. You know, you don't want to let loose some, somebody with another person's life and spirit when they haven't investigated their own. So they spend a good deal of time investigating concepts like se their sexual identity, the concepts of death and dying, their own biases, so that once they have gotten a, a handle on that, they then learn the skills of applying what they have learned on behalf of somebody else. So it resembles a session like, for example, in a life coach or, or even a therapist, but it's not therapy and it's not life coaching. The purpose of the practitioner is to listen for your and my, our hidden beliefs, the things that are preventing us from thriving, that are keeping us in a survival mode. And their, their job then is to give us a spiritual mind treatment, that's affirmative prayer, to address that issue we've brought to the table. And most often they will also give us homework, spiritual homework that takes us 
even deeper into the investigation of our inner life. They might assign us meditation if we've never done that before. They might recommend a book that relates to the issue that we're dealing with. What is prayer in terms of CSL? What religious science? What is prayer? It's not so much beseeching and, you know, and requesting something to happen. What is, what is it? I would say that new thought prayer, let's call it affirmative prayer. We also call it spiritual mind treatment. It resembles meditation and contemplation more than it resembles the typical definition of prayer, what prayer is. And you used the word beseeching. I, I think indeed, if you look up in a dictionary, the definition of prayer, it does use that word, um, a supplication, a request. And our affirmative prayer is, is a departure from that. And that is the reason why many of the founders of the New Thought Movements borrowed the term treatment to move away from the concept of prayer as beseeching. So it is like meditation. And the very beginning of the prayer is the person doing the prayer immerses themselves in their very best idea that they currently have of divinity until they get it. So you see, that's the contemplation. Indeed, I was sharing with somebody, and one of my teachers said, if you get that first part of affirmative prayer right, you almost don't need anything else. Hmm. Of course, the second step is to internalize it right, and identify right. with it. So you can see there is a methodology and it differs from movement to movement within new thought, but it is centered on the, what I call the first principle of metaphysics, and that is oneness. Hmm. You know, you mentioned earlier about journaling, and I just wanted to mention that that too, for me, has been a lifesaver. You know, I have really embrace journaling in many forms. And one of the forms that I, I journal in is kind of a conversation with God. But my feeling is, you know, kind of a, it's, you know, kind of a me talking to my higher power, what I, why I sense that. And I've gotten a lot of wisdom, I feel, you know, through that kind of journaling that's really helped me. So I just, I wanted to put that out there. I appreciate that because you're reminding me that journaling, another benefit of it for me is that it slows down the racing mind. Mm -hmm. And so when my mind is racing and my thinking is hot, I know I need to slow it down. So one of the practices I use quite faithfully is I handwrite prayers, affirmative prayers for people mm -hmm. because, you know, if I'm not writing it, it's very easy for me to become distracted and there goes my mind. It's back to racing, mm -hmm. all the things. So when I'm writing it down, if my mind wanders, the pen doesn't. Right. And I pick up the pen and I write the next part. And I find that by the time I've got to the end of the spiritual mind treatment on paper, I am co-beneficiary of the prayer with the person I'm praying for. Mm. So that is a really good tool to use, especially now. Do spiritual mind treatment. Pray for everybody, especially the people who are disturbing you. Oh, ouch. <laughs> that is I, I, I was just going to jump in and say that, you know, I, I teach, that's one of the things I teach is scripting and journaling. And I highly recommend always to my clients to use a pen and paper. Um, you can use other things, but 
to go along with what you're saying with prayer, if you're journaling, I also recommend pen and paper for the same reason, because you will find that your pen doesn't want to wander off when your brain does. And in fact, if you keep going, especially in the journaling portion, you will actually have experiences like what Jim's describing, where you're connecting with a higher power, your higher self, and the flow becomes much more uh, stable. Tell me how to work with my concepts of people that really disturb me you know, in the, in, in the political environment and in, you know, other, other ways, you know, we encounter people that are difficult for us personally to be able to deal with. I know they're another, they're, they're God as well, but you know, how, how would you cope? How would you suggest you, you deal with that? Well, you know, the master teacher, Jesus, he said to his disciples, by this shall all people know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. In other words, people observing us ought to be able to get it from how we show up, what we believe, and what we value. So if I say I believe in a world that works for everyone, do I mean just some people? Or if I say we are one, do I say, well, that's just the people who look like me? Or do I say we are all children of the divine? Do I mean only if they have the right politics? Mm -hmm. So you see, it's a very big concept. So the question is, if I see you in your divinity, it may not mean I agree with your behavior. Mm -hmm. But the way I have a conversation with you about your behavior is the telltale sign of what is in my value system. Mm -hmm. So the question really then is, um, as a practicing metaphysician, how do I want to be understanding that it is witnessing to the world what my faith tradition is about? It's a challenge in our movements. The, the, you know, the affirmation that we are all one makes us um, disinclined to cause any st stress. Right call anybody out on anything you know so in some ways from the outside i think we may appear to be conflict avoidant interesting we're so busy affirming the rightness and the goodness and the wholeness of everyone as we should that we haven't yet learned to talk about what is wrong mm. it's almost like a taboo statement there are things in society that are flat out wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we haven't found our comfort talking about that up until now, because the events of the world have brought it right up into our faces. Yep. Some people want to divide the two, you know, between being spiritual and also engaging in social activism. Um, is, how do you see that? Well, you know, my job is to pour over the values and the vision and the documents of our movement and make a statement that determines how are we to engage. So it's not my idea. It's not my personal vision. But our organization has a vision of us waking up to our spiritual magnificence in all of the sectors social, political, economic, all of the sectors. So there it is. How do I bring what I've learned in science of mind when I show up in the world? 
when I vote. Right. What, what, when you say people are becoming almost more able to, they are able to confront maybe what's wrong or learn how to talk about things that they find wrong. Do you meet, do you see that happening because of what's going on? Do you see, are you hearing that more, that, that idea of let we're finally, this is happening or is it more uh, just something you're witnessing? Is it something that more than, you know, do you know what I'm asking? These are unprecedented times. I mean, if you think about what we have, what makes this different um, from every other time when social unrest came up to address an issue, we've got the internet. We've got um, video footage. It is impossible to be in this world and not acknowledge that there is something wrong. And not only that, not just here in the United States, but across the communities of the world, people are saying, this is wrong enough. So there is tremendous reason to have hope that this is just not another moment in history. And, you know, I think that part of the reason is the media, the uh, social media and the cameras and the footage and the world uh, community be feeling connected I also like to think it's because so many people of faith have been praying and contemplating and connecting with the one divine presence. And that is accumulate, accumulated and it nudges out into the open everything that is unlike it. So here it is. Proclaim oneness. How do you live it? Proclaim oneness. Where in me do I reject it? Mm-hmm. we're all one but i can give you a list of 25 people i don't want to invite to that party <laughs> right so there that's that's uh we don't have in our movement uh, the inclination to create enemy images because of our oneness philosophy so we are we are we face a, a very difficult struggle what do i do when I feel it in my body and I'm, it's visceral and I'm angry, well, yeah, now I have to see, this is where the rubber meets the road. How does a practicing metaphysician do this? Hmm. Any ideas? Yeah. <laughs> Remember we started at the beginning. You got to stay rooted. You've got it. You must first know which authority you serve. You can only have one God. And then to refer to that and draw your inspiration from that God, divine mind, the creator, whatever you wish to call it, and to put nothing else before it. Because in that mind is all the answers, are all the answers. In that connection is where we get our authority from and our instruction and our direction and our inspiration. So if I do not have a regular practice of reconnecting and dipping into that infinite well, well, I will fall for anything. Next thing, I'm trying to understand the world by reading newsreels of conflicting points of view, trying to find the middle voice. Next thing is, oh no, if I show up to a demonstration, here's my vision that when a practicing metaphysician, a religious scientist, or from Unity, or from uh, the Universal Foundation for Better, whoever shows up, that 
people in the crowd go, what just happened? Consciousness mm-hmm. arrived. Right. That, you know, I, I often ask, have you ever been in the company of somebody who's really prayed up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You, know, yes. you pick it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, immediately. Immediately. You know, immediately. you just sit down. And even if you don't person. know, even if you're someone who's never even studied it, they know. Like you just said, if you show up at a, pro- if you, 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 I'm talking to you, show up at a protest, I guarantee you it'll get real quiet. And everybody goes, what, what happened? In a positive way. That's a positive thing. I watched my fiance's cousin. Uh, she was at one recently in, in Portland. And I was, I really don't look at the images, but I was looking at hers and I was going, and she's very, un, I always say unknowingly, very connected to the divine. She's not practicing, but she is, she has a channel uh, that is very strong. And I noticed how much calmer the people around her were. And she's not even someone who's consciously dipping in every day. So I, I love this idea and this, this instruction, if it were, of, of you know, practicing metaphysicians to, to make sure they're dipping into that well and make sure that they're holding that candle. And hopefully if they're going out there, they're, they're shifting the energy. Not, so not only metaphysicians can get grounded, right? Exactly. Like wherever we fi- find it, we go to that. Whatever we, we go to that which we have faith in. We become that which we have faith in. So I, you know, I have let myself get ungrounded. Have you? Oh, absolutely. I've let it get to me, and I, and then I monitor how I interact, how I show, show up, how I speak, and it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm adding to the problem and the stress. Hmm. So my my job is to regularly and repeatedly prove the principle. Right. I notice I. Well, that's exactly what I've had. I notice if I go one, two, two full days without, you know, my morning ritual, my morning routine, I can tell. I, thankfully, I have my fiance. But if we both aren't, you know, reminding the other one very gently that, hey, you didn't do your stuff this morning, we feel it. And then it is that, you know, it is a little harder on, on quarantine. We, uh, there was this really great doctor I talked to who said, oh, go ahead. We're, we're just about to close up here. And I just wanted to ask, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Roy. No, no, no. You're I just fine. want to ask uh, Reverend Ed, um, we talk about a world that works for all world that works for everyone. And we just have a couple minutes. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Oh, well, a vision of a vision. The function of a vision is to direct us to that, which is beyond what we currently have. So it's got to be big. It's got to be audacious and it has to inspire us without explaining how that will happen. I mean, if, if you think about in Isaiah, there's the vision of the peaceable kingdom where the wolf lies down with the lamb and the lion with the calf and so on. And for anybody who's ever seen wolves and lambs and lions and calves, you know, that is an unworkable picture. So the vision is to challenge our concept of what is possible. So even though we know how, we don't know how it's going to work, it strikes at a heart level and it resonates with our values of oneness, of diversity, of inclusion. And we say, yes, we have no idea how this shall come to pass. So we walk towards it. Then we must have um, tools to, we walk towards our vision of a world that works for everyone through our mission. And our mission is to provide spiritual tools for personal and global transformation, to awaken humanity to its spiritual magnificence. Then as we develop the awareness and the consciousness of oneness, we can trust that consciousness to show us what steps need to happen so it's very important to have a high holy vision you know it bring, because again it will bring into focus that which must be addressed that is preventing the vision for being demonstrated 
It's a very important, you know, because um, it's difficult to do something about a problem um, when the problem is unseen or not acknowledged or not allowed to talk about it. So in this vision of a world that is working for everyone, there's an awakening happening. I like to think that in part it has to do with this vision, but it's also the result of people of faith everywhere in the world and people of heart everywhere in the world waking up to our shared life. Thank you so much. It's been so great having you on, Dr. Ed and, and Edward. And, um, you know, I, I want to definitely have you, you back another time so we can go into some more things more deeply. I don't believe that you're an introvert. You might be, but when you get tuned in, you are as extroverted as they get. I love it. You're wonderful to listen to and learn from. And I hope everybody out there listening uh, learns something because I know it's a beautiful book called Quiet in a World That Will Not Stop Speaking. I think that's the title. And it explains how it is possible for an introvert to have a public position. It doesn't necessarily mean we can't do it, but we have to have our ducks in a row in order to be able to do it. Yes, yes, I can attest to that. I have to read that book. (laughs) Where can we get more information about you? I have a Facebook page, Centers for Spiritual Living, Spiritual Leader page, and um, that's where you can find out. I'm in the process of developing my social media presence. Just started a Instagram page and a Twitter account, and we're creating it so that it can be transferred to the next spiritual leader because it's not so much the person it's the position so we want to make the content and the social media transferable to every next iteration of this position so i've got that going on um facebook twitter instagram and a blog is being developed it's all almost all ready to go and on that blog we will have articles that relate to the shared values we have as an organization and how to relate that to current times Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, If you need more information about Royce Christen, go to RoyceChristen.com and check out his book, Scripting the Life You Want. I've got premium video courses and I help to create them on my site called YouThriveHere.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.